listening to Marketing Café with Tina, Victor and Magna, your casual providers of marketing knowledge. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the Marketing Café, where we discuss marketing research in a casual way. Hopefully, we will provide useful insights for marketers, store managers, owners of sole proprietorships, consumers and students. My name is Magne and I'll be your host today. Together with me is Victor. Hello. And Tina. Hello to all my fans. You can find me on Instagram at Tina is cool. That is false news since your real Instagram username is Tina Maria Bergtoft. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that is a good transition since today's topic is brand related false news. And as usual, the marketing cafe is located in Rome and we are still Norwegians. And we are still master students in the final stages of our double degree in strategic marketing from BI Norwegian Business School in Oslo and Louise Guido Carli in Rome. Marketing Cafe is still a pilot project with three episodes and we encourage you to give us feedback, good or bad. Today's gathering in the Marketing Cafe is a huge party since this is the last episode of a pilot project. I have nearly finished one year pilot of Prosecco Magne has come to his fifth bottle of single malt, and Victor has nearly drowned in beer. Ay, 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 I'm not drowned at all, and this is of course just nonsense, and at the same time it's an example of brand-related false news. I like to stress that Marketing Café do not promote alcohol, and we have never consumed alcohol in the café. And as observant listeners have noticed, I have claimed to drink Negroni in episode 1. This is also false news. Just to clarify, Mine is drinking coffee, Victor is drinking water from a glass bottle, and I'm having a modest glass of apple juice. As have been clearly established now, today we are discussing brand-related false news. Victor has done some research on this topic and will be the lead academic contributor, whereas Tina will serve as our sidekick. Thank you, Tina, for spilling out my water. (laughs) (laughs) We define marketing in the first two episodes of Marketing Café, However, you have brought with you an even shorter definition of marketing today, Tina. In the classic book, Marketing Management, Kotler and Keller states that one of the shortest good definitions of marketing is serving needs profitably. Thank you, Tina. As usual, when we meet in the Marketing Café, we discuss one subtopic within marketing. Victor, what is brand-related false news? Brand-related false news is a relatively new phenomenon, actually so new that I had to coin my own definition. However, before we return to my definition, I would like to provide you all with a real-life example of brand-related false news. During 2016, the owner and the employees of Comet Ping Pong Pizzeria in Washington, D.C. received death threats after several articles were spread through social media about Pizzagate, which can be described as a conspiracy theory. The articles portrayed the pizzeria as the location for a child abuse ring, led by Hillary Clinton and her campaign manager, John D. Podestra. Despite none of these claims being true, this politically motivated misinformation severely damaged the Comet Ping Pong brand. In fact, it also led to a safety risk for its employees and customers, as a 29-year-old man fired an assault rifle inside the pizzeria in December 2016 because he wrongly believed he was saving children trapped in the child abuse ring. That is crazy. It seems like the world is coming to an end. This is an example where false news about a brand led to behavioral responses and tangible negative implications for the brand. 
several different types of such false news have emerged during the latest years, and despite its increasing frequency, the phenomenon is still relatively under-investigated. Therefore, I aim to deepen our understanding of brand-related false news. Thank you, Victor. But anyway, what is your definition of brand-related false news, Victor? Um, based on previous research, I define brand-related false news as any story or claim with assertion about a brand that is either completely false or a considerable distortion of the truth, which is conveyed online by individuals or organizations that could potentially harm the brand. Mm, that was a very broad definition, Victor. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, I will return to why it is that broad later on in the theoretical discussion. Great, thank you. So what in particular are you researching, Victor? My research question is as follows. How does brand-related false news conveyed through social media influence customer-based brand equity? And what could companies do to prevent brand damage? However, I like to point out that I'm not completely done with my data collection. So today's discussion will be based on my initial literature review and I will present results from my study one. That sounds interesting. I really look forward to hearing about what you found. But Victor, you used a marketing term in your research question. Would you mind explaining what we mean by customer-based brand equity? Of course I can, Magna. Customer-based brand equity were coined by Kevin Lane Keller in 1993. He defines customer-based brand equity as the differential effect of brand knowledge on consumer response to the marketing of the brand. The idea is that positive customer-based brand equity occurs when the consumer reacts more positively to a marketing mix element of the brand compared to the same element of the marketing mix attributed to an unnamed or fictitiously named version of the service or product. And when we say marketing mix element, this can, for example, be price, product quality, or promotional material, such as an advertisement. Thank you, Victor and Tina. Let's move on to past research on this topic. Wait, before we move on, I have a question. Why should our listeners care about brand-related false news? Because the endurance of companies is dependent on a certain degree of trust and positive evaluations by target audiences. In other words, a positive customer-based brand equity. However, today, customers' trust in your company and their evaluations of the brand or product you sell have the potential to be damaged by brand-related false news. In my opinion, this is an alarming thought that the honest hard work and investments in building your brand might be jeopardized by falsehoods. As I see it, this topic is also alarming for our consumer perspective and for us all as individuals. That we might be basing our decisions on information that seems plausible, but in reality is false. Definitely, Magna. But Victor, what would you say to the ones that still have doubts regarding the significance of brand-related false news? Uh, I would say two things. First, we consume more and more information online. Survey results from Pew Research Center in the US from 2017 shows that 67% of Americans receive at least a proportion of their news through social media. Second, social media companies have become a focal point of our economy and enable fruitful possibilities for both companies and individuals. Yeah, I recently read that. According to Statistica, the number of active users on Facebook is an astonishing 2.2 billion. YouTube has 1.5 billion. Instagram, 800 million. And Twitter has 300 million active users. Thank you, Tina. That is correct. In my opinion, it is the combination of these two the increased information consumption online and the increased usage of social media that makes brand-related false news a threat. 
Yes, I read an article where Google's vice president pointed out that the possibilities provided by social media also represent certain threats, which became especially visible in the 2016 US presidential election and the Brexit votes. Yes, indeed, Magna. During these events, online social media platforms amplified the distribution of misinformation and the term fake news became prominent. In fact, Collins English Dictionary named fake news the word of the year in 2017, since the usage of the term increased by 365% in 2017 compared to 2016. (laughs) That makes sense. When I think about newspapers from 2017, fake news and Donald Trump must be the most frequent mentioned words. Now, let's bring in some more theory. Victor, what does previous research say about brand-related false news? The short answer on that question, Magna, is nothing. Since as far as I know, brand-related false news has not been studied in particular before. However, studies of fake news and false news is conducted within journalism, communication, information science, information diffusion online, and political science. Related concepts within marketing and psychology entail studies as folklore, urban legends, memes, and rumors. The starting point on my path towards the definition of brand-related false news was to establish what researchers mean by news and what makes news fake or false. So before I continue, Magna and Tina, how would you define news? I think of news as a story written by a journalist. Okay, Magna, what about you, Tina? I think of news as uh, descriptions of a recent event. Yeah, uh, you both touched on some of the traditional definitions of news. Uh, News has been defined as descriptions of interesting recent and significant events, accounts of events that affect people in a significant way, or even as a dramatic account of something deviant or novel. And as you said, Magna, News is often seen as an output made by journalists. However, to conceptualize news as a product made by journalists is problematic, since today, online social platforms act as channels for non-journalists to reach a mass audience. Such as me, on Instagram. Exactly, Tina. Today, individuals or any organization can post text information, videos, photos and narratives of newsworthy events they witness. Consequently, the business models of journalistic institutions are challenged and has shifted from subscription revenues to revenues from advertising. That is, journalistic institutions is now in a market with demand side increasing returns or network effects as we discussed in Tina's podcast, where the institutions compete to increase their respective basis of readers in order to attract advertisers. This goal of attracting readers is also shared by other organizations which is not bound by journalistic guidelines, such as fake news web pages. Yes, indeed. This increased competitive rivalry has led to increased tabloidization, shareable reporting and attention grabbing, also from the journalistic institutions, which consequently has blurred the line between facts and fiction. That is correct, Magna. Because of this, I needed to use a broader definition of news as a foundation for my definition of brand-related false news. However, here I will avoid a lengthy discussion of what news is and what makes them false based on previous research. Instead, I will summarize the findings from the two articles that have had the highest impact on my definition. That sounds reasonable, Victor. The first one is a very recent article published in March this year in the prestigious Science Journal. Ah, that's a r- <laughs> mm, mm-hmm, mm, that's a real good journal. Maybe top three in the world. Yes, it is, Mina. 
and therefore it was very exciting that this journal published such a relevant article. The paper is named The Spread of True and False News Online, and the authors Vorshugi, Roy, and Aral provided a large-scale examination of false news diffusion online. In short, the authors use a huge data set of 12,600 true and false news, which is tweeted more than 4.5 million times between 2006 and 2017. The results show that false news diffuse or spread significantly more broadly, faster and deeper than true news in all categories. Furthermore, it is found that false news inspire the emotions disgust, fear and surprise, and false news are more novel than true news. I have also read that article, and I believe that the authors find that robots equally accelerate the spread of false and true news. Yes, indeed. Uh, contrary to previous research, this shows that people actually are sharing false news online. Oh, these findings are really alarming. It seems like we are all dumb enough to read, respond to and share false news. Yes, Tina. Uh, this is one of the main reasons for why I chose this topic. Because with today's information overload, I believe all of us gets more affected by falsehood than we like to admit. Okay, but you said that we were supposed to talk about news, but now we've been talking about false news. What is news, Victor? Um, according to this science article, the authors defines news simply as any story or claim with assertion in it. That is, any claim, either textual, visual or audiovisual, made online, for example, in social media, by individuals, organizations, qualifies as news. Since this broad definition of news fits well with today's fragmented media landscape, where news no longer relies on the institutional source, it serves as a basis for my definition of brand-related false news. It can also be relevant to mention that news and rumors are closely linked. The authors defines rumors as the social phenomena of a news story or claim spreading or diffusing through the network. So, is the idea that news is an assertion with claims, irrespective of whether it is shared or not, but news become rumors when they are shared between people? That is correct, Tina. Okay, now we heard about news, but what makes news false? And what's the definition of fake news? I can start by saying that normatively, news is based on truth, so the term fake news is an oxymoron. And in academia, the terminology for fake news is very fluent. I have brought with me some examples. Alcott and Gensov, in a paper from 2017, defines fake news strictly as news articles that are intentionally and verifiably false and could mislead readers, whereas Nelson and Tanea, in a paper from 2018, conceptualize fake news as sites that are very literally fabricating the news, whereas the media editor Craig Silverman views fake news as completely false information which is created for financial gain. Finally, in its broadest sense, fake news also includes clickbait, which is exaggerating the importance of news by presenting them as more relevant, interesting, and in a more extraordinary manner. So the concept of fake news seems to entail nearly any form of misinformation then? Uh, yes, it also seemed like that for me initially, but this brings me to the second article. In their article with the title Fake News, a typology of scholarly definitions, Tandok with colleagues review fake news definitions in articles between 2003 and 2007. The authors identify six different forms of operationalization, or you could call it six main types of fake news. 
The author's review suggests that fake news entails news satire, news parody, photo manipulation, fabrication, propaganda, and even advertising. Fake news as advertising refers to native advertising, which means advertising made to look like news stories presented in a newspaper. Propaganda can be viewed as news stories that combines fact and fiction and which are created by political entities to influence public perception. Since advertising is regulated under marketing legislation in most countries, and since propaganda is related to politics, I will focus on the four first types. News satire, news parody, photo manipulation, and fabrication. That sounds good, Victor. Let's start with news satire. Yes, we can, Magna. The first one, news satire, uses exaggeration and humor to present news updates. An example of news satire is these mock news programs, such as The Daily Show in the US or Mock the Week in the UK. So what's news parody then? The second one, news parody, shares many characteristics with news satire. News parody uses humor and a presentation form that mimics mainstream media. However, different from news satire, news parody also uses non-factual information to inject humor. It also typically inflates the ludicrousness of issues and creates entirely fictitious news stories, and it often becomes hard to distinguish a parody website from a legit mainstream news source. Yeah, one site that comes to mind is The Onion. It's a well-known parody website. Yeah, that's right, Magna. And uh, you brought some examples of news parody, didn't you guys? Yes, we did. I can take the first one. In 2017, several fake news articles made to look like journalism from People's Magazine was spread through social media. The stories reported that the makeup and beauty chain Yulta Beauty would close its doors because of a buyout made by the competitor Sephora. I guess that is inconvenient for a company if someone gets your customers to believe that you have closed all your stores. <laughs> Similarly, in May 2015, a newsling claimed that the famous food chain Taco Bell would close all its US locations on June the 1st. This link was created by the prank website feednews.com to troll Facebook users, and those who clicked on the link arrived at a webpage showing the words, you got owned, next to a number expressing how many people had been tricked. So, those who clicked on the link realized it was a joke, but the majority did not click and might believe that Taco Bell were actually closing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's move on to the third type of fake news. Yes, okay. The third type is photo manipulation. This refers to the editing of real images or video to create false narratives. Minor adjustments can be to increase the color saturation and removing small elements, whereas more significant manipulations can be to insert a person to an image. I have an example of a severe photo manipulation. It was an image shared during the Hurricane Sandy in 2012. The picture was made to look like a screenshot from a live news report and showed the Statue of Liberty in New York City nearly being crushed by waves. This picture was created by merging an actual image from Hurricane Sandy with visuals from a fictitious disaster movie. Yeah, I've also seen that picture. It looks quite extreme. It is also worth mentioning that Tandok with colleagues also points out that misappropriation of images also should be referred to as fake news. Misappropriation is when a non-manipulated photography is taken out of its original context to make assertions about a different context. A good example is a tweet I saw recently. It included a picture of students lying on their knees with their head facing the floor. 
in a position similar to someone praying. Together with the picture, the tweet included the text. American middle schools caught forcing students to do Muslim prayers five times a day. Time to revoke funding. Several furious comments followed, and the trolls of the web trolled along. However, it was later revealed that the pictures were originally from a tornado drill. Yeah, that was a good example of misappropriation, Tina. I believe this is our cue to move on to the fourth type of fake news. Yeah, uh, the Pizzagate example that we discussed initially in this episode that claimed that the Comet Ping Pong Pizzeria were the location for a child abuse ring, that illustrates the fourth type, namely fabrication. Fabrication entails articles that have no factual basis and that mimics the presentation form of news articles to create legitimacy. Unlike parody and satire, in the cases of fabrication, there is no understanding between the reader and the author that the item is false. In fact, often the intention is to misinform readers. Such fabricated fake news articles are often first published on the website of a non-news organization before it is shared in social media by individuals, organizations, or even by robots. Therefore, it is often very hard for the consumer to examine the credibility or legitimacy by face value. The authors have categorized the six types across two dimensions. Whoa, 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 hold your horses. Before we go further, would it be possible to summarize some advices for our listeners? Advices that could be used when reviewing information online? Yes, of course I can, Magna. The first advice I'd like to give is always be critical to information you read online, especially if the source providing the information is unknown to you. A second advice would be to ask yourself, is the story trying to make me laugh? Then it could be satire or parody. Uh, Another advice could be to have in mind that images and also video can be altered and check whether the image is congruent with the text. And if the message depends only on the image content, I would be very critical. And as a last advice, I would say that be aware that organizations or web pages can intentionally misinform you. They might construct false information as clickbait to make you click onto the page to enable them to make money. Thank you, Victor. These sounded like good advices. You may now continue. Thank you, Magna. The authors, Tandog with colleagues, categorized the six different types of fake news along the continuum of the two dimensions, facticity and intention to deceive. What the heck does these two words mean? (laughs) Um, Yeah, Tina, uh, facticity is the extent to which fake news relies on facts, whereas intention to deceive is the degree to which the creator of fake news intend to mislead. The above mentioned examples of fake or false news about brands score high on actors' immediate intention to deceive and low on facticity, which places the phenomenon somewhere between fabrication and photo manipulation. Until now in the episode, the word fake and false have been used interchangeably. Is there any difference? Uh, No, not really. The researchers seem to study the same phenomenon. However, to label news that do not support one's position as fake news has lately become a widely used political strategy. Therefore, this science article that I mentioned earlier points out that the word fake seems academically unprecise and they make a point out of using false news. Consistent with this article, I chose to use the term false news in my definition. 
But Dictor, earlier you said that you defined brand-related false news as any story or claim with assertion about a brand that is either completely false or a considerable distortion of the truth, which is conveyed online by individuals or organizations that could potentially harm the brand. Can you please explain this definition for us? Yes, Magna. Yes, I can. The definition of brand-related false news contains four different components. First, any story or claim with assertion about a brand entails the broadest possible definition of news, consistent with this science article that we have discussed earlier. Second, either completely false or a considerable distortion of the truth imply a low degree of facticity. That is, brand-related false news does not refer to news satire or parody, but to misinformation by fabrication or manipulation. Third, Conveyed online by individual users or organizations entails that brand-related false news is both source and channel independent. Thus, it does not matter whether the story or claim is communicated by an individual human being or robot through a social network platform or through an organization's webpage. Finally, has the potential to harm the brand points to the consequences of brand-related false news which due to the low degree of facticity are likely to be negative. Similar to false online reviews, the valence of brand-related false news could in theory either be positive or negative. However, since there has been an increasing frequency of negative brand-related false news, which poses a larger threat towards brands, I focus exclusively on this form in the present studies. That was a thorough explanation, Victor. What kind of brand-related false news are you going to test in your studies? Thank you, Magna. Uh, as a context for this pioneer study, I chose to focus on negative brand-related false news in the form of fabricated articles, which is first published on the webpage of an unknown, non-news organization, and subsequently shared on Facebook. Interesting. Why did you choose this particular type of brand-related false news? I chose to focus on this type of negative brand-related false news because it differs significantly from the traditional conceptualization of rumors. Unlike rumors, this type of negative brand-related false news supposedly presents evidence, even though this evidence is false, and mimics journalism that might suggest higher legitimacy. This could influence the consumer. Interesting, how did you operationalize customer-based brand equity as your dependent variable? For the purpose of my research, I treat customer-based brand equity as a composite variable of five brand-related beliefs measured on a seven-point scale. What is a composite variable? A composite variable means that a variable consists of the average scores of several variables. These five brand-related beliefs are brand attitudes, brand desirability, perceptions of quality, brand trust, and brand purchase likelihood. I adopted this measure from recent research that developed it to measure effects resulting from product harm crisis that is similar to brand-related false news. But Victor, in what way are they related? They are related in the sense that brand-related false news often claims that a product harm crisis has occurred without any factual basis. Now let's move on to the hypotheses you will test and the theoretical rationale behind them. With pleasure, Magna. In its broadest sense, brand-related false news can be categorized as a persuasion attempt. Therefore, something called the persuasion knowledge model provides a theoretical foundation for my conceptual framework. But Victor, what is the persuasion knowledge model? According to the persuasion knowledge model, targets, or consumers, 
assess agents' persuasion attempts by employing their personal persuasion knowledge, agent knowledge, and topic knowledge. Persuasion attempt refers to a target's perception of both the message and the agent's strategic behavior, such as the agent's underlying motives and goals during a persuasion episode. And a persuasion episode is a directly observable part of the actor's behavior. Uh, Victor, what do you mean by persuasion agent? In the case of brand-related false news, agent refers to the creator of the original story, for example, the false news website. And agent knowledge refers to the target's beliefs about the competencies, goals and traits of the story creator. However, false news web pages are short-lived. Therefore, consumers are not likely to hold relevant actor knowledge in the persuasion episode and will therefore be forced to assess other characteristics. You mentioned persuasion knowledge. What does that mean? Persuasion knowledge is knowledge about how actors can use different persuasion tactics to influence individuals' feelings, thoughts, and behaviors. The consumer's persuasion knowledge works as a safeguard against the manipulative intent of the agent. The concept of persuasion knowledge coincides with recent research about fake news that implies that people rely on their own experience or gut feeling and their own judgment of the source and the message when assessing news. Therefore, in my study 2, which is not conducted yet, I intend to test whether persuasion knowledge mediates the relationship between brand-related false news and customer-based brand equity. Just to clarify, a mediator variable means that the effect of an independent variable on a dependent variable happens through another variable. Thank you, Magna, for that clarification. As I have mentioned a few times now, the absence of actor knowledge in the context of brand-related false news leads the target or the consumer to evaluate the source. Therefore, I intend to include source credibility in my study too. What is source credibility, Victor? Um, source credibility has two dimensions, namely perceived source trustworthiness and perceived source expertise. Perceived source trustworthiness is the extent to which the observer perceives the source as being motivated to make valid assertions. In other words, the source is not biased, for example, by monetary incentives. Yeah, you will probably perceive your doctor to be more trustworthy than a Herbalife distributor when it comes to dietary guidelines, because your doctor is probably full-time employed, whereas the Herbalife distributor earns his living by pushing protein shakes. <laughs> that was a good example, Magna. Uh, the other dimension, perceived source expertise, refers to the extent to which the observer perceives the source as being capable of making valid assertions. In other words, does the source possess substantial knowledge about the field it makes the assertion? Then the doctor is probably the most classic example for expertise as well. Yeah, definitely. In short, source credibility has been heavily researched during the years, and the previous research agrees that a high credible source is generally more persuasive than a low credible source. Therefore, I hypothesize that if the brand-related false news is shared on Facebook by a high credible source, it will have a stronger negative effect on customer-based brand equity compared to if the brand-related false news is shared by a low credible source. I really like that part. It is nice when things are short and clear. <laughs> Thank you, Tina. That being said, persuasion knowledge represents the more conscious processing of information, but I believe that emotions, which is more unconscious, has a lot to do with brand-related false news. Interesting. What does 
research say about emotions and how is it connected to brand-related false news? As you might have noticed in the aforementioned examples, the messages of brand-related false news is purposely designed to evoke strong negative emotions within its targets. Brand-related false news employ narrative strategies, which is also used in urban legends, which is a form of folk tale that entails false stories acting as reminders of moral lessons and that one should comply with community standards. The stories are often bizarre and made to provoke feelings like anxiety, fear, disgust or anger. A classic example of urban legends is the story that led to a general belief in the US that people were putting razor blades in apples that were handed out to children on Halloween. This was proven to be a false story. Oh, that would keep me away from apples. But Victor, what does previous research say about emotions? Emotions can be defined as mental states of readiness, which is a result of an evaluative judgment that the consumer makes for something of relevance for his or her well-being. Something of relevance can be an incident that happens to the consumer, for example an unpleasant experience. Isert's taxonomy of affective experience includes 10 basic emotions, which is interest, joy, anger, disgust, contempt, distress, fear, shame, guilt and surprise. As I mentioned earlier, the recent findings from the science article shows that false news inspires disgust, fear and surprise and are more novel than real news. It is interesting that you include emotions, Victor, because empirical research suggests that emotions are focal determinants for consumers' relationships with brands. Since brand effect and brand trust positively influence loyalty through the degree of brand attachment. So, the consumer-brand relationship depends on positive emotions to result in a positive customer-based brand equity. Thank you, that is correct, Tina. And conversely, a paper from 2012 written by Romani, Grappi and Dali found that consumers' negative emotions towards brands, such as dislike, anger, sadness, worry, embarrassment and discontent, significantly predicted complaining, negative word of mouth and switching. And my belief is that brand-related false news might serve as an unpleasant experience for the consumer, first because of the adverse content presented, which could be alarming, disgusting or horrifying information or images, but also if the particular brand of which the brand-related false news makes negative assertions have personal meaning for the consumer. Thus, negative emotions could arise from the consumer's evaluative judgment of both the adverse content and the negative assertions which challenge the consumer's previous perceptions of the brand. Therefore, I hypothesize that brand-related false news messages with emotional appeals that is able to evoke strong negative emotions in targets will influence customer-based brand equity negatively. Your hypothesis seems plausible, Victor. But are you testing negative emotions in general, or are you focusing on a few? Thank you, Magna. That was a really good question. My main interest is in the so-called hostility triad, which consists of contempt, anger, and disgust, often referred to as CAD. I intend to include the CAD measure as a mediating variable in my study too, together with persuasion knowledge. I have focused on two specific emotional appeals, which is forms of anger and disgust, namely core disgust and righteous anger. What is core disgust, Victor? Core disgust can be described as the protector of the mouth against possible contaminations. Feelings of core disgust will typically be high if one nearly ingests or reads about someone who ingested an inappropriate substance, such as urine, ejaculate, 
feces, or a dead rat. Core disgust is relevant in this context since several past brand-related false news stories tries to evoke it. I actually have an example of that. Perfect, Magna. In October 2015, KFC had to answer concerned customers on Twitter. The website Now8News had published an article that showed a picture of a chicken with four legs and claimed that several thousand severely mutated chicken from KFC farms were confiscated by the USFDA. According to Snopes, the information was false. Uh, we have not mentioned it yet, but several of the false examples we have used in this episode can be found on Snopes.com, which conducts third-party fact-checking of a variety of stories on the web. So, that can actually be a good tip to our listeners. If you come across a bizarre news story on the web, it can be wise to check if Snopes.com has marked it as false. Thank you guys for these useful inputs. The other emotion I mentioned, righteous anger, can be described as feelings of wrath or ire resulting from observing violations of another person's freedom or dignity. In the context of brand-related false news, this could be stories that claims the brand uses child labor or that points to unfair treatment of employees or customers. I bet there's none of our listeners that have lost track of what we're talking about now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, Tina. Sorry, um, this entire episode has maybe been a little too theoretical. But now, as promised earlier, we move to my study one and my preliminary findings. This is going to be exciting, Victor. I'm really looking forward to it. Perfect. Please take us through your study design, Victor. With pleasure, Magna. In short, I used an experimental survey with two conditions and a between subject design to pretest stimuli and to test for a main effect from brand related false news on customer based brand equity. The data was collected on Amazon Mechanical Turk. A total of 61 participants first answered questions regarding their brand attitudes, brand trust, brand desirability, perceptions of brand quality, and purchase intention associated with Coca-Cola. Thereafter, 29 participants saw a constructed brand-related false news story that aimed to evoke core disgust, and 32 participants looked at a story that tried to evoke righteous anger. After they had seen the brand-related false news stories, all participants answered questions about how the story made them feel on a total of eight emotions. Then, participants were exposed to either the Facebook profile of the fictitious consumer organization, Consumer Support, or the fictitious Facebook profile of Mary Williams, and rated how trustworthy and how expert they perceived the source to be. Finally, all the questions associated with customer-based brand equity, brand attitudes, brand trust, etc., were repeated. So, how did you then manipulate the, the core disgust and the righteous anger appeal? The stories appears as news articles from the web address now8news.com that is shared by a person on Facebook. The core disgust manipulation entails a post that contains one picture of a woman drinking from a large Coca-Cola bottle and a picture of the bottom of a soda bottle with something lumpy inside. The pictures are accompanied by the following headline. FDA investigates Coca-Cola after Helen Franklin swallowed pieces of a dead rat when drinking from a Coca-Cola bottle. Ooh, that's freaking disgusting. Yeah, that's really the point. <laughs> <laughs> So then, how did you manipulate the other one, the righteous anger one? The righteous anger manipulation entails a post that contains two pictures. The first picture shows a little boy, which is covered in mud, and sitting on sugar canes. 
The other picture shows six Coca-Cola glass bottles. The pictures are accompanied with the following headline. The U.S. Department of Labor investigates Coca-Cola for child labor, as several children were found dead after a fire at a Coca-Cola sugar farm in El Salvador. That's just sad. Yes, I agree with you, Magna, and I can assure you my participants agreed with you as well. Because this stimulus did not perform as intended, people expressed sadness and guilt, and not so much anger. However, the core disgust manipulation performed well and evoked significantly more disgust than the righteous anger condition. But is there any truth associated with these stories whatsoever? No. I like to stress to our listeners that the stories I just described and the headlines I just read out loud are completely false. They are constructed by me and has nothing to do with Coca-Cola. Furthermore, a similar disclaimer appeared at the end of my questionnaire to avoid that participants actually believe the stories. Anyway, let's hear the results. We are so excited. Okay, let's move to the results. Remember that I measured customer-based brand equity before and after people had seen the brand-related false news. So guys, what do you believe happened to customer-based brand equity? Well, I think it decreased. Uh, I agree with mine. I also think that the customer-based brand equity decreases. Yes, that is correct, guys. A paired sample t-test shows that customer-based brand equity measures after people had seen the brand-related false news were significantly lower than the initial measures. This effect also holds for the two conditions in isolation. This means that the participants' brand attitudes, brand trust, perceptions of quality, and brand purchase likelihood significantly decreased as a result of exposure to brand-related false news. That's some fascinating results. That support my belief that false news can be very harmful for companies. I also think the results are really fascinating, but I just recalled a joke from Colin O'Brien that coincides well with your findings. Here it is. Two-thirds of Americans think fake news causes confusion. The other one-third said, Why are we talking about this when we're being invaded by killer dolphins? (laughs) (laughs) But Victor, any chance for an end date for this podcast? People might have stuff to do. Yes, uh, I will close it off now. In conclusion, I like to say that as a target or a consumer, It is important to be skeptical about information you receive online in general, but especially when the information comes from an unknown source. Take a moment and inspect whether you are familiar with the web address. As a bonus, I'd like to add that research conducted by the Media Insight Project in the US in 2017 found that whether readers trust the person who shares the news matters more than who produces the article itself or even whether the article is produced by a real news organization or a fictional one. Therefore, I would encourage you, the listeners, to question the content that is shared by your friends. Think, is your friend really that credible on that topic? Your friend the hairdresser, for example, might be a perfectly valid source when it comes to styles, fashion and trends, and even food, but might be a horrible one when it comes to orient you about the new general data protection regulation. That's a good point, Victor. Is there any key takeaways you want the listeners to remember from today's episode? I would encourage our listeners to do two things. Think yourself and consult valid sources. Do not let others form your opinion without you paying attention. Thank you for the advice, Victor. Now, today's episode has come to an end. Thank you very much for listening to The Marketing Cafe. Have a lovely morning, day, evening or night.
As Magnus said in the beginning of this episode, we have launched three pilot episodes. Episode number one that Tina is responsible for is about Internet of Things. And episode number two that Magnus is responsible for is about robots in service encounters. Feel free to check them out. Finally, we really appreciate to know whether you dislike or appreciate our podcast. So please rate our podcast and feel free to send your opinion to marketingcafe18 at gmail.com. Hello, it's Victor again. Today you heard about my study one. During the summer I will also conduct a study two where I test how emotional appeals of brand-related false news and source credibility impact customer-based brand equity. I will also conduct a final study three where I test how companies can respond to brand-related false news. In episode two, we discuss service encounters, robots, anthropomorphism and attachment styles. However, I have to admit the major shortcomings of the episode was the absence of the result from my study 1 and 2. I will complete these studies during the summer and hope to achieve results that can be fruitful for companies that aims to incorporate robots to their service designs. In episode 1 we discussed Internet of Things. After conducting research on this topic, I have become extremely interested in the marketing aspects of Internet of Things. Therefore, I will try to keep my knowledge up to date on this topic especially how to overcome the barriers addressed in my thesis. If you find any of our projects fascinating, please send us an email and express your interest. If there are more than three people that are interested, there might come episodes about our finished projects by the end of the year. Have a good one!